Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Before we get into today's episode, I want to point out, obviously, that tomorrow is going to be Black Friday. Today is Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. And I just want to let you know that Knox Investa is actually going to be able to participate in Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, and Cyber Monday with some really cool sales. If you've already checked out the website and you're looking for the right moment to buy, tomorrow and this whole weekend is going to be that right time. We're launching a new product and we're going to have some amazing discounts. So make sure to check it out at noxvesta.com, N-O-X-V-E-S-T-A.com. Goop is now promoting therapy created by Nazi sympathizers and telling us that we're not allowed to give negative feedback during sexual experiences. It's been a year, so maybe I forgot how terrible they are, or maybe they're just getting a hell of a lot worse. Hello everyone and welcome to The Corporate Casket. It's practically become a yearly tradition around here to talk about Goop. And as it turns out, they have yet another Netflix special called Sex, Love, and Goop that I just had to get my hands on. Now, obviously this entire series is about, well, sex. So things might get a bit uncomfy here for some of you. Please note that when discussing episode five, anti-Semitism, homophobia, and incest will be mentioned. So feel free to skip over that portion if that's too upsetting for you. As people generally don't talk about sex all that openly, if Gwyneth is spreading misinformation about a topic that is already known for its misconceptions, we should all be aware of that. And on that note, as I personally am not a relationship expert, I am going to reference scientific journals, therapists, and articles throughout this episode written by people who have more expertise in this field of study than I do. So this is by no means purely reactionary, even if it's a bit more opinionated. For those of you who need a bit of a refresher, Goop is a pseudoscience nonsense company led by Gwyneth Paltrow. They seem ridiculous and harmless, selling candles that smell like vaginas apparently and psychic vampire repellent. And yes, as for the candle vagina thing, I know that she doesn't actually think it smells like her vagina. It was just kind of a pun and she went with it, but let me, just let me keep having that joke, please. Yet some of their health claims have been lawsuit worthy, deceptive, and even led to death. One woman passed away after following their bee sting acupuncture treatment and the doctors they promote literally advocate against the AIDS movement, for example. So today we're going to pick apart the claims made in this brand new Netflix special, see what's harmful, shady, and just maybe, if anything's accurate. Let's get into it. On a scale of one to five, how pleasurable is that? Five, jackpot. It's one thing to be emotionally vulnerable on camera, but to be sexually vulnerable, we've never really- As there are six episodes, we're going to break this down into six easy sections. Episode one naturally starts off with the disclaimer, the following series is designed to entertain and inform, not provide medical advice. You should always consult your doctor when it comes to your personal health before you start any treatment. I'm sure they use this disclaimer as some sort of legal shield, considering that Goop has truly had no problem with giving medical advice in the past. 
They used the same disclaimer on their previous series before they delivered a mountain of misinformation. So let's see if they use it the same way this time. Each episode features couples, whether married or dating, and the ways that Goop intends to help them. Erica and Damon, who've been together for six years, are the first couple. According to Erica, although they have a lot of love for one another, the communication isn't there. The couple agrees that they do argue about sex and feel mismatched in that regard, but by no means do they say this is the only argument that they have. But hey, as this show is about sex, it skims over the communication issue portion and gets right into how they interact in the bedroom. She says she can't get into the mood immediately, whereas Damon says that Erica walking around in the house is enough for him. This would have been a fantastic opportunity for Goop to say that a vast majority of women, 75%, don't climax from intercourse alone. And this is simply because of how vaginas work in the first place. According to one of my sources, the critical number for orgasm with penetration is 2.5 centimeters. That distance still allows the clitoris to be stimulated by vaginal penetration. If the clitoris is farther from the urethra than that, orgasm without additional stimulation is difficult or impossible. It's so strong a correlation that if you give us a woman who has a distance of three centimeters, we can very reliably predict she won't have orgasm with intercourse, said Elizabeth Lloyd, an affiliated faculty scholar with the Kinsey Institute for Research in Sex, Gender, and Reproduction. The way that Goop treats Erica's supposed problem is a bit frustrating because there is literally nothing wrong with her. This is just how the female anatomy works. Erica should be given the space to communicate her needs and for her and Damon to recognize that, no, this isn't a matter of Erica being conservative, but potentially just how her body works. However, instead of discussing anatomy, Jaya, a somatic sexologist is brought in. And yet again, they attribute Erica and Damon's problems as a sexual mismatch when personally, I believe there might just be a lack of education involved. Jaya goes on to explain that there are five different kinds of erotic blueprints, like the five love languages, but for sex. This body mapping. And so this is, there's a scale of one to five, five being highly pleasurable or orgasmic, and one being like, don't like that at all. How pleasurable is this kind of touch? And then we can do it within the blueprints. So here's an energetic touch, or here's a sensual touch, or here's a kinky touch. And I kind of combine those things together into a flow. She claims that there's the energetic blueprint, someone who's turned on by anticipation. Then there's the sensual blueprint, someone who wants all their senses involved and a lot of intimacy and the sexual blueprint, people who are forward and kinky, which is about taboo. People who have the shapeshifter blueprint can play in all of these blueprints. We're actually gonna start energetic. All right. So we're gonna start up here. And then Erica, just take a nice big deep breath. Okay, and we're just gonna kind of pulse a little. I'm not saying that these blueprints don't exist or that there's anything wrong with knowing what you prefer. It just seems a bit disappointing that for the first 15 minutes, nothing about the potential anatomical reasons are even mentioned. Erica and Damon are just described as a mismatch and given tools to try energy play. During this play, Damon admits that he really isn't getting anything out of it. And at the end of the episode says that he's not all that kinky. So he's nervous to trade places and be the one on the table having the tools used on him. These tools are really just for sensation and touch. Though I'm glad to see Jaya tell Erica she's not broken. It doesn't feel as if that's really like the heart of the problem was being addressed here. The reasons as to why this supposed mismatch may exist in the first place. And when I looked at previous interviews Jaya has done in the past, I seem to have the same recurring issue with her. 
just putting people into five boxes instead of advocating for open and honest communication or addressing the root causes and anatomical reasons behind a so-called mismatch. Still, this is only episode one, so we will see. The show also diverts its attention to Felicitas and Rama, a couple who have been together for well over a decade and have two children together. Both of them agree that because their lives revolve around the children and their careers, their environment doesn't cultivate intimacy as they put it. Felicitas and Rama are sent to a different expert, Michaela Boehm, who Goop calls the go-to expert for couples struggling to reignite their sexual spark. She asks them a few questions about one another, has them compliment each other, touch one another, and things of that nature. I don't actually see anything overtly harmful here, though Boehm has Felicitas name her anger or the attitude she has on a bad day, the general, and she has Ramas name his negative or desperate to please attitude, the king. I did do a bit of research into this because I was a little bit confused about the ideology behind it and thought I might find some supportive research when I stumbled across an article from Psychology Today called To Manage Your Anger, Give It a Name. However, as the article explains, it doesn't mean a literal name, but rather just breaking down what kind of anger you're feeling, whether that's aggravation, bitterness, frustration, fury, grumpiness, restfulness, I think you get the idea. I have also seen the concept of therapists having children personify their anger and give it a name, so that way it's not an abstract idea, like literally personifying it. However, I haven't seen much information about doing this as an adult, nor do I see Michaela claim to be a therapist in the first place. On her personal site, Michaela does claim to have clinical experience in trauma and addiction, and she even advertises that she's a coach for celebrities like Will Smith. Yet her credentials and background seemed just lackluster to be honest. For example, she said in the past that couples cheat and divorce because they don't explore their fantasies more often. Even though she doesn't advocate for acting on those desires, instead telling her clients to picture it and better understand why they may feel that way to begin with, to make a broad blanket statement about the cause of all cheating seems like it could be easily used to excuse cheating or victim blame those who experience it. that be a shameful thing. We were close to getting a divorce. I had blinders on. What they came for is very common. We're gonna have to work on the sexy factor of it. His parents are wondering why he doesn't have babies. And am I gonna have an orgasm before I have a baby? <laughs> so on to chapter two. What I found sort of laughably ironic about this episode is that in the beginning, Gwyneth and the other experts all around her all advocate for openness, communication, and honesty. Gwyneth says that she feels that, especially in Hollywood, people put on a fake look and say they're happily married when at times nothing could be further from the truth. And I do agree with her, communication is important. Yet not three minutes later, Felicitas is trying to explain that she doesn't like when Ramos is trying so hard to please her that he comes across as overeager. Michaela tells her, you don't have to say that, your body says it. You don't exactly have a poker face. So which is it? Are we advocating for communication here or not? Because since episode one, which was just one episode ago, I haven't seen any real like talking, just touching and teasing. Overall, the actual conversation that's taken place was a very brief one when this couple complimented each other. There may be more happening behind the scenes, but it just seems odd or hypocritical that Goop advocates for communication, fails to show it, then in the next scene goes on to discourage it. When Michaela is with Gwyneth and the couples, she states that one thing she is a stickler for is no negative feedback in the moment. In other words, during sex, you should not give negative feedback to your partner because their body will remember it. And sex is supposed to be a place where they feel open. 
And this, quite frankly, is absolute bullshit. If you're not enjoying yourself, if you're in pain, if you feel a desire to stop, you are allowed to say that. I don't need to be a relationship expert to know that that is garbage advice from this woman. You can give negative feedback without being cruel or crushing someone's self-esteem, but sometimes you may need to say, I don't like this, this is hurting, I would like to stop, whatever the case may be. Teaching women, or anyone for that matter, to shut their mouths during an intimate moment to spare someone's feelings is disgusting. Sex is about consistent consent, and someone has a right to say no, even once it's begun. I'm not saying that Michaela believes otherwise, but her language of no negative feedback until it's over sets a dangerous precedent in my opinion. Plenty of sex therapists believe feedback is about connection and communication. If Michaela is an expert for couples counseling, I would rather remain a novice. Although I'm sure it sounds obvious, studies show that communication during sex is very important. Communicating both likes and dislikes is important. So it's just frustrating that a show that condones being super open and discussing facts just shuts down the latter half of that fact. Anyway, we move on to Damon and Erica again. This time, Damon is lying down on the table while Erica runs her hands up and down his body, giving him an energy orgasm. If I had to describe what they're doing, it's like a cross between Reiki and a massage with very light touches. Jayla then tells Damon that he has had sex by energetic blueprint standards, and he is, in her words, an energetic blueprint with sexual undertones. Damon is moved and he seems to enjoy himself, which, hey, I have no issue with that, like you do you. But again, to put someone into a box like this leaves a bad taste in my mouth. While it's good he enjoyed this experience, what if this doesn't meet his needs in the long term? What if he doesn't want to do it again in the future? Again, because of the show's focus, at least as of episode two, it's been about getting them to match up and enjoy the same things. There's been no communication addressing their different needs or any actual discussion between the couple. Jaya then demonstrated how connected you can be with your partner once your energies are in tune. And I find the scene with her and her partner extremely reminiscent of the Reiki that's demonstrated in Goop's other Netflix series. If this energy style sex works for Jaya and her partner, more power to them. I don't care what you do in the bedroom. At least they aren't promoting this as something healing. As for Felicitas and Ramos, when they sit together blindfolded, holding hands and swaying. Again, these exercises are really difficult to describe. And while I'm sure there's some validity to them, there's little to no open dialogue between the two. As she mentioned earlier that she wanted Ramos to take control and be more confident as opposed to being needy, Michaela has Ramos sit in a chair and has him tell Felicitas what he'd like her to do. And as awkward as this is to watch, at least it's some communication, I guess. Now, as we move into episode three, we're introduced to Camille and Chandra. Chandra says she'd like to gain more confidence having grown up in a religious household where sex, let alone lesbian sex, wasn't often discussed. Camille says that not having realized she was a lesbian until her 20s, she feels she has a lot to learn and that's the purpose of her being here. They head off to see Darshana, an erotic wholeness coach and certified sexological body worker. From there, the couple begins to look at sex toys and then undressed, holding one another. Darshana encourages Camille when she seems nervous to step back, to put her clothes back on if she wants and to communicate. And I won't lie, I thought this was a very important moment and definitely a far cry from what Michaela had said in the last episode, which seemed to encourage not stopping an intimate moment at all costs. Here, Camille is able to articulate that she's self-conscious about her body, something she admits she struggled with in the past, and Chandra is right there to comfort her. Joey and Mike, an older couple, are also featured within this episode. 
Joey is a woman, by the way, and I know that's traditionally a male's name, so I just wanna let you all know for any confusion that might be there. Mike is 66 and Joey is 62, and they've been together for about 12 years. Their intimacy coach is Amina, the founder of the Atlanta Institute of Tantra and Divine Sexuality. By this point in the Goop series, I heard the word Tantra tossed around a few times, typically on these experts' bios. So I figured I'd look into it just a bit deeper to see what the practice is all about. And according to the British Museum, Tantra is a philosophy that emerged in India around the sixth century, and they also state, many Tantra texts contained rituals that transgressed existing social and religious boundaries. For example, sexual rights and engagement with the taboo, such as intoxicants and human remains. Tantra challenged distinctions between opposites by teaching that everything is sacred, including the traditionally profane and impure. The tantric worldview also historically sees all material reality as animated by unlimited feminine power. Tantra has changed and evolved throughout the years. It means different things for different cultures and people. But for our intents and purposes, and in the way that Amina uses it, tantric sex is generally about a deep connection, erotic energy, and a holistic approach to sensuality. Amina encourages Mike to move slowly and use foreplay and to understand sensuality without sexual touch. And this really feels like something that Erica and Damon would have benefited from in a similar conversation about needs as well, but that's just my opinion. From here, Chandra, Camille, and Joey all engage in mirror work. In this exercise, the three of them, as well as Amina, look at themselves in the mirror and acknowledge what they do and don't like about their bodies. Studies do show that women are on the whole less confident than men. There is a confidence gap, so I'm not at all opposed to the show addressing it. But personally, as much as I have no desire to see people disrobe, I think it might've been interesting if Mike also engaged in the mirror work episode to better relate to Joey. Then again, someone could argue that self-confidence isn't about what a partner thinks of you, but how you feel about yourself. In that case, maybe Chandra and Camille should have done the exercise separately instead of together. In terms of mirror work itself and its effectiveness, I was able to find a study on this. Tara Well, an associate professor of psychology, wrote an article in Psychology Today that reads, in teaching people to use mirrors as a meditation tool, I am struck by how unkind people can be to themselves when they first look in the mirror. The mirror tends to magnify our internal state and looking at yourself without a clear intention often evokes self-critical inner dialogue as a default. Can a mirror be useful as a therapeutic conduit for compassionate self-talk? Nikola Petraki and colleagues set out to answer that question. They conducted a study to test whether a mirror could enhance the efficacy of compassionate self-talk. The research participants were asked to generate four phrases they could use to soothe and encourage their best friend. Then they were asked to describe an episode in which they criticized themselves and were assigned one of three conditions. One, to repeat the four phrases to themselves while looking at the mirror, or two, repeat the four phrases to themselves without the mirror, or three, look at themselves in the mirror without repeating the phrases. The results of the study showed that participants who said the phrases in the mirror reported higher levels of soothing positive emotions. They also had more heart rate variability, HRV, compared to participants in the other two conditions. Now, I had some high hopes for episode four as Erica and Damon state that they're finally going to learn about anatomy, like finally, right? Jaya is back and starts us off by making the bold statement that arousal and fertility are linked. Considering that Erica was talking about having a baby just moments earlier, I'm not sure if she's implying that it's harder to get pregnant if you're not aroused or the fact that many women will fantasize about sex or be more aroused when ovulating. 
studies do support the latter. So hopefully that's what she means, but I do wish she'd be a bit more specific so there's no risk of misinterpretation. Within this portion of the episode, Jaya gives her anatomy class, which does make some good points. She explains how studying anatomy was considered shameful and the pudendal nerve itself means in Latin to be ashamed. I confirmed what she said and none of it's actually inaccurate, so I am grateful for that. Still, even though she emphasized how large the clitoris is, she doesn't explain that most women genuinely need that stimulation in order to orgasm. It seemed like a perfect time to talk about those statistics that I had brought up earlier, but I guess Goop must have forgot that they exist. Afterwards, Erica is on the table again, and Jaya points out that she's tense and needs to relax. Erica has a breakthrough, realizing that she's been bracing for a while before Jaya guides Damon in touching her. Chandra also opens up in this episode, stating that because of her religious background, she hasn't felt accepted as a lesbian within her family, her mother in particular. She's made it very clear she won't be at our wedding, Chandra states. She also explains that she doesn't often feel pressure from penetration and while talking with Darshana, does the exact same technique we saw on the previous Goop series, looking at her own genitals in the mirror. Darshana addresses Chandra's difficulties afterwards and says that her pain from penetration may be because of the shame she felt growing up. First, she promises Chandra that if she wants to stop at any time, they will, and then Darshana begins touching her. Gwyneth and expert Michaela also sit down and talk within this episode about sex therapy. Michaela explains that the sexological body work is a term used when you do work that involves the body responding to sexual touch and genitals. It's not legal everywhere because it's hands-on. Michaela claims that it's legal in California and Europe though. Sexology itself is an incredibly controversial topic, but according to one source, many use the explicit model when working with clients. And for those of you listening, it's spelled E-X-P-L-I-S-S-I-T. They are extended E-X and permission P, meaning to give permission throughout the work with clients for them to discuss sexual behavior and sexuality issues, as well as to support the client in their experiences of sexual behaviors, as long as they are not harmful. Limited information or LI, clarifying any misinformation, dispelling myths, and providing factual information in a limited manner. Specific suggestions, SS, providing specific suggestions relating to the particular issue, and intensive therapy, IT, providing highly specialized therapy for more complex presentations to the individuals. The key aspects of this model include being aware of and providing explicit permission throughout the work with the client or clients so the clients can work through their personal issues as a core feature of the other stages of explicit. In other words, there's far more to genuine sex therapy than touching clients, although Michaela isn't wrong when saying that this is a part of it. She's still omitting a ton of information. Goop, being a Netflix series, absolutely could have hired a sex therapist to explain this. If I had the resources to read an article and learn about how sex therapy works, I'm sure Gwyneth has the resources to ask a sex therapist to explain the various facets of their work, but she didn't, and it's once again, pretty disappointing. And according to the Mayo Clinic, physical touching isn't even a part of mainstream sex therapy whatsoever. Yet this is the part Michaela focuses on. It sure seems to be the same for Goop too, considering that this has taken up a majority of their series. Now, before we continue on to episode five, there's really no good place in the series to place a sponsor and they really wanted it as close as the middle of the episode as they could. So um, here's an ad break, enjoy. 
The holidays can be hectic, but HelloFresh helps keep things simple with recipes and ingredients that cut out grocery shopping and limit meal prep so you can spend more of the festive season with friends and family. Ingredients travel from the farm straight to your door within a week, so you can get the convenience without skimping on the quality. I know I've said this many times before, but I really love using the HelloFresh app and how easy it is to customize my meals. They have over like 50 meals and different food items you can choose from every single week. And I can choose if I want this or that this week, if I wanna skip a week, it lets me do everything right there. And it also lets me plan up to, I think like six weeks in advance. It's something crazy. So I can meal prep very far, have it nicely planned out in my calendar. And I know exactly what I'm eating every single day of the week. So if you wanna get started with HelloFresh, make sure you go to hellofresh.com slash prism14 and use code prism14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. Again, that's hellofresh.com slash prism14 and use code prism14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. And hey, maybe you do want that home-cooked meal tonight, but maybe it's just too much effort. There was just too much stress going on in the day, whatever, and you just need something now. With DoorDash, you don't need to travel to experience something new. DoorDash has over 300,000 partners, so you can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national chains like Popeye's, Chipotle, and Cheesecake Factory. Ordering is easy and your items will be left safely outside your door when you choose contactless delivery drop-off. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code PRISM. That's 25% off up to a $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code PRISM. Don't forget that's code PRISM for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. I did not expect that we could make these leaps. I just want to look at myself in the mirror and say with absolute confidence, I am beautiful. This is happiness. Now, as we open into episode five, we're introduced to Dash and Sarah, and they are a queer couple and they haven't been together for a very long time. So they're still considered to be in their honeymoon phase. They claim their largest issues stem from insecurities and negative behavior patterns. Dash has a fear of abandonment, while Sarah admits she's cheated on partners in the past and gets bored easily. The family therapy they're assigned is called Family Constellations, led by Katerina Wittich. Bert Hellinger created this practice after living with the Zulu as a missionary. At least that's what Katerina claims. She doesn't really mention having any experience as a family therapist. Though this constellations theory is a bit tricky to explain, here's a broken down version from Good Therapy. A family constellation session typically takes place in a workshop made up of a group of individuals who are not related. Members of the group stand in for family members of the person or couple presenting a difficulty or concern. The person seeking a resolution of an issue who is referred to as the seeker or the group facilitator chooses these representatives and places them into position as members of the individual's family. Also choosing one person to take the place of the seeker in order to complete the family dynamic. The use of other individuals to represent the family is believed to illuminate the disharmony within the family, and the individuals standing in as members of the family are believed to be able to feel and experience the emotions of the person whose role they have taken on. Hellinger, the developer of Family Constellations, calls this sense of connectedness, which is said to be felt telepathically by members of the group, the morphogenic field. 
When Dash and Sarah begin this family constellation session, they too have other individuals representing their family. Katerina calls them resonators as they haven't been given any information about Dash and Sarah whatsoever and are strictly there to resonate. Now, I'll be honest, this is kind of one of the more confusing episodes that came out of Goop for me. This was a difficult concept for me to understand, but considering what Hellinger's peers have said about it and him, I'm not sure I really want to fully understand. One counseling psychologist explained in the Daily Maverick that Hellinger's work was developed to help the second generation of post-war Germany. Hellinger, as a German and counselor, worked with a lot of descendants of perpetrators, Nazis. This family constellation therapy was his way of telling his clients that they don't have individual responsibility. That much might be true, but Hellinger took this to some pretty disturbing territory, like claiming that Hitler was just part of a much bigger systemic movement, seemingly shifting blame from the real life Hitler and making misogynist, anti-Semitic, and homophobic statements at a 2007 lecture in Norway. Hellinger apparently dedicated a poem to Hitler in which he wrote, quote, Hitler was no better or worse than any man, end quote. I was able to find one source with the entire poem, so for the sake of context, I'm going to read part of it now. Hitler, I look upon you as a human being, just like me, with a father, with a mother, and a definite destiny. Are you therefore superior to me, or are you inferior? Are you better than me, or worse than me? If you are superior, then so am I. If you are inferior, then so am I. If you are better than me or worse, then I am that too. The ultimate cause of your rise and fall is no different from mine. I honor it in you as I honor it in myself, and I surrender to everything it has created in you and to everything it has created in me, as well as to all it has created in every other human being. Was Hitler a human? I mean, yeah, but this poem is just, well, I don't think I can really put the words to it, but it's not right. That's, it's just uncomfy. Somehow though, it does get worse. Multiple sources even state that Hellinger also condones incest and that if someone wants to stop the act of incest, it should be done so without any accusations. He tells a story about an incest victim who became suicidal when their perpetrator was prosecuted as an example for his reasoning and implies that a daughter commonly takes the place of a mother who is sexually withdrawn. So yeah, you'll just have to forgive me if I think that Hellinger's therapy just might've been formed to tell Nazi descendants, hey, you know, Hitler wasn't that bad. Like you're good, vibe on. That's just not a therapy I'd like to follow. Oh, and also that fathers should have sex with their daughters, but okay. It seems like Goop has neglected to mention this little quirky trait though. Plus Dash knows very little about their grandmother and family. So while all these resonators just act out the parts of the family, there's no way to actually confirm its accuracy. Sarah also did this family constellation exercise and it seemed to work for her as well as Dash, but I doubt the show would feature a couple where these techniques didn't work either. Frankly, knowing what I know about the history of this therapy, I played this episode at top speed so I could get it out of my head. Now, finally, we move on to the final episode. Damon and Erica explored body paint and played hide and seek with blindfolds while Chandra and Camille learned about communication. Camille explained to Darshana and Chandra what she liked. Damon and Erica tearfully thanked Jaya for their new and improved sex lives and Gwyneth summed up the entire episode with some montages. This episode really was just a summary, so there's really not much else to say aside from that. 
So just as episode six completed the series, I'll complete my review on this particular Goop Netflix episode special shenanigans here. I disagree with other sources that mention how the toys within the show are in the Goop shop. Therefore, the series was in small part, some sort of sales tactic. Not once did Gwyneth turn towards the camera and say, by the way, if you like the toys you saw on screen, you can buy them on my website. Other sources like one article from the Washington Post call this a career pivot that might finally be worth rooting for. And it reads, there's certainly something bracing about the series' normalization of sex therapists and intimacy coaches, even if it occasionally irks that the show will still acknowledge carnality only within the confines of committed relationships. Kudos to the couples for being brave enough to candidly discuss their erotic discontent and the sometimes hands-on treatment thereof in front of cameras. Partly shot at Goop headquarters, the production boasts a minimalist, soft-lit chic with an attractive, well-dressed cast that hardly challenges the kinds of people we're used to seeing on screen. But Paltrow's language of innovation and intervention ultimately ended up giving me some pause, as if sexual optimization always requires third-party observers who presumably come with all kinds of price tags we associate with Goop. A later episode dedicated to an experimental form of group therapy called family constellations that involves acting out intergenerational dynamics underscores how unevenly the series sometimes explains the concepts at hand. And yet, despite all its faults, sex, love, and goop might be the most meaningful project Paltrow's put her name on in years. Sorry, vagina candle. The Guardian takes a similar stance and says that it is probably the most valuable thing goop has ever done. And I agree with these reviews in part. Between that comment from Michaela in episode two and the entire premise of episode five, plus the fact that I feel like the words communication is important were said far more than displayed, I don't feel that sex, love, and goop is a good educational tool. It may very well be the best thing they've done, but considering some of the things their doctors have spewed, see previous episodes, is that really a compliment? The bar is set pretty low after all. One of the coaches during the series, Jaya, mentioned in episode six that her clients sometimes take a while, even a year, to get to a point where they're comfortable with one another in the way that Erica and Damon were at the end. So does that mean that the average person will need to spend hundreds or thousands upon thousands of dollars for these coaches' services? Goop seems to portray sexual discontentment as a quick fix, seeing as all their couples were only there for a few days and then perfectly pleased, smiling, and all better afterwards. No one showed that a lot of effort and work would be required when they got home. Audience reviews as of writing this have been pretty terrible. Right now they have a three out of 10 star review in IMDb. And that was at least written the last time I checked the IMDb. It certainly may have changed between when I wrote this and now. But I am pretty certain that more reviews and criticisms will follow. But with all of that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode about apparently the yearly review on Goop. So I hope you maybe didn't learn something new, but I hope maybe you got a chuckle or something. I don't really know what you got out of this one, but thanks for being here till the end. I think that's the point because God help you if you made it here. I appreciate you hanging out with me today, spending some time to hear the absurdity of Goop once again doing their goopy thing. So thanks so much for being here and I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.